it's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Sister Michaela, can you help me with the offering? What are you going to sing? <laughs> this little light of mine. God, I pray for Sister Michaela. Lord, as she take up the offering this morning. And she put a song in her heart as she sings down the aisles, Lord. Touch her in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> There's going to be a revival in the land. There's going to be a revival in the land. From the north to the south to the east and the west. There's going to be a revival in the land. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. God is good. Beautiful weather. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We've been talking about walking the talk. Amen. Hopefully everybody is, is on track and, and following. You know, I believe these lessons are so key and so essential for us to walk. Amen. Now, last week we was talking about the golden rule is still golden. Amen. And it will always be golden. It will not change. Amen. We have got to learn to do unto others as we would have them to do unto us. Amen. Praise God. And that's the key uh, to walk in the long. So today we want to go to a new topic. Amen. And number five, we want to talk about character is the key. Character is the key. Character is the key to walk in uh, this talk. Amen. And we know that as we have already found out and we've already said that, you know, words are just words to live by if we're not going to do uh, what it says for us. And that's what character to me is. Character is that quality or that distinctive trait that every one of us should possess that make us attractive and make other people want us to be like, you know, us. And this is why Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, as we were studying the Sermon on the Mount, remember, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And if that salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salt is good for nothing but be cast out and men trod upon the, their feet. Amen. And then he says, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So as we study God's word and as we apply God's word to our lives, amen, it causes us to change, to become more like him. And this is why James says in James 1, don't just be a hearer of God's word. You've got to be a doer. One of the things you find out is awareness. When you're aware of something, that means you've got to take action. As soon as you become aware, responsibility falls on your plate to take some action. If I, and this is what James has said. He says, if I look into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and I see I'm not doing something the way I'm supposed to be doing, I've got to take action to correct that in my life. Because if I'm going to move to perfection to become completed in Christ, then I've got to do what his word is telling me to do. And so we want to walk worthy of the Lord until all please and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We want to grow in the things of God. Amen. That's why Peter tells us, he said, but grow in the grace and knowledge in Second Peter 3.18. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of Almighty God. So we want to be like him. Amen. When we, they see us, they want to, we want them to be able to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
Amen. And so we are talking about character is the, the key to walk in the walk. You see, you don't build character uh, in a moment of crisis. You know, when things are going bad in your life, you don't build character that way. Character is built based on you living your life day to day based on the Word of God. Amen. And because if you don't have character when there's no pressure, don't think you're going to have it when pressure comes. You know, because when the heat is turned up, amen, you, you don't have time to try to develop good judgment. You don't have time to develop integrity. You don't have time to develop trustworthiness. These things are developed on a day-to-day basics. You've got to develop these things in your life at the early stage. You've got to get up. You've got to have devotion going on in your life. Amen. You've got to study the Word of God. You've got to apply the Word of God to your life. Amen. If you're going to, you can't walk this walk, amen, without, amen, character. Amen. You've got to have character. You've got to practice telling the truth. You've got to practice living the truth. You've got to to practice self-control. You know, we call it the fruit of the Spirit, but really it is the traits of character of God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You notice God always put things that He really, I think, uh, at the end. (laughs) You know, know, like self-control, temperance. You've got to have some self-control, you see. And you don't develop self-control in, a, in the heat of battle, you know. That has to be developed at the early stage, you know, as the onset. You know, James, if you, if you ever notice James writing, and, you know, a lot of times we preach a lot of the other books, we talk a lot of books. But if you ever notice James' uh, instructions to us, James seems to focus more on our tongue than anything else. You know, he, 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 he starts out, you know, uh, telling us if, you know, if, if we like wisdom, let us ask of God. And then he, he gets down to James chapter 1, I think it's verse 26. He says, but if any man seems to be religious and brattle not his tongue, he says that man religion is in vain. See, so notice what he's saying. You've got to learn how to develop and control what you say. You know, Solomon tells us in per, Psalms, I mean, Proverbs 18.25, I think, no, 21, 18.21. He says that life and death is in the power of the tongue, and you're going to eat the fruit of it. I can kill myself, I can make myself alive by what I say. See, I have to control my, my actions. See, I have control what I'm saying. You know, I, I'm sure, and I use this a lot, I, I'm sure you've heard the old saying, do you hear to answer or do you hear to listen? 95% of people listen to answer and not to hear. We look into reply instead of is what being said does it is 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 it, what is it applying to me? Do I really need to give an answer? Say, I have to build my character. So James tells us we need to brattle our tongue. You know, and if you look at the third chapter of James, 
let's go there real quick this morning, uh, and we'll we'll walk a little bit here with James. I like James; he's my next door neighbor. But he moved. Amen. <laughs> he was my next door neighbor, but he moved down the street. So, amen. The third chapter of James. James goes on, my brethren, be not many masters, know that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to brattle the whole body. In other words, you can bring your whole life into focus with self-control. Okay? A lot of people get angry. You lose self-control. You know, somebody pass you up on the street, you know, cuts you off, you get mad, you swear, you curse, you lose self-control. You know, you have to control yourself. Okay? He goes on and says, Behold, we put bits in a horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. You pull the rein to the right of a horse, he's going to the right. You pull the left rein, he's going to the left. See? So notice what he's saying. He says, we put bits in a, in a horse's mouth to control him. You know, and, and Solomon even tell us, you know, don't be like the mule and don't be like the horse, which have no understanding. That's why horses run right into battle. You go back and study history in the olden times, they get on the horses, and the horse don't know that's for his life. He, he goes, he says, ha! That horse goes straight into the battle. He don't care. You know, because he don't have an understanding. But I guarantee you, if he knew it was for his life, he, he wouldn't run into it. How much more you? Everything out there is not good for you. You need to have self-control so that you can control yourself. See? So that you don't destroy yourself. Behold also the ships which though they be so great and are driven a forest wind, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. You think of great big cruise ships or big aircraft carriers out in the middle of the sea, how big they are. You look on the back end of those rudders, it's not that big. And it turns that whole great big ship around in the sea. See? Even so, the tongue is a little member. I granted some people's tongues are bigger than others, but but it's, it's, it's small in comparison. Amen. And boasted great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. In other words, he says your tongue is the smallest member. Boy, it can teach, it can start wars. It can set on fire. A whole forest. You know, you can destroy people with your tongue. You can destroy yourself with your tongue when it's a little member in the whole body. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. Notice, Jesus says it's not what goes into you that defiles you, but what comes out. What you say will defile you. If it's not words of exhortation, if it's not wholesome words, when you speak, it can defile you. People that curse and swear, they don't realize they're, they're just destroying themselves. 
is, 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 is destroying your own character. You tell lies, you cheat, say all kinds of wrong things. It's destroying your character because people determine what you are based on what you say. So it sets on fire of hell, verse 7, for every kind of beast and birds of the serpents and the things of the sea is tamed and have been tamed to mankind. Notice, he says, everything out there is tamed. You tell, get horse, monkey, dog, everything that God has created. Fish, you know, you go to Sea World, great big whales jump up out the water, you know, at a snap of a finger. They've been trained. And this is the analogy he's using here. See? And he says, every beast of the birds and serpents and things in the seas tame. It's been tame to make it. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therefore, bless we God with even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Notice what he says. He says, you're going to praise God, you're going to bless God, and then you're going to turn around and curse somebody out? He said, that shouldn't be. See? Talk evil of somebody? He said, that shouldn't be. See? Doth a fountain send forth the same place, sweet water and bitter? You don't get good water and bad water out the same fountain. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of fine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is the wise and endure with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his words with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descend not from above, but is earthly and sensual and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that makes peace. So, see, we have to control our tongue if we're going to have good character. Amen. You can't make it to heaven without character in our lives. Amen. So we have to uh, learn how to control what we say. Solomon even goes on and says in Proverbs 10:32, he says that the lips of the righteous knows what is acceptable. If you say I'm a Christian, if you say I know God, then you're supposed to know what is acceptable and what to do and what to say. Say this is why Paul goes on in Romans 12. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, which is a reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, the sad thing is, as Christians, we know what we're supposed to do. We just don't do it. 
and then we expect God to bless us. It doesn't work that way. See, the lips of the righteous knows what is acceptable. From the time you get the Holy Ghost, the Spirit leads and guides you to truth. So you know what you're supposed to do. You just choose to do wrong and then expect God to bless you. It don't work that way. That's not character. See, you have to study to show yourself approved unto God. Amen. We've got to be committed to this thing. Amen. From the time that we are born again, we have to commit ourselves. So character is very, very important if we're going to walk the talk. Traits of character, things such as judgment, endurance, dependability, decisiveness. Amen. Justice. Barren, unselfishness, courage, knowledge, enthusiasm, tact, trustworthiness, integrity, initiative. You know, just a few. There's a whole list that goes on and on and on as you study the Word of God. You know, that's why I always say the book of Proverbs is so essential that you should read it every day. Because Solomon really exposed the whole life, should I say. That for us, and he lays it out there, things we should do. You hear him constantly saying, my son, uh, you know, uh, don't do this. You know, and, and that term, I, I believe, is used gender neutral so that everybody that's born again can understand where God is trying to lead us in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Say, God has our best interests at heart, and so therefore we want to have character. So today... We want to talk about, you know, commitment, commitment, commitment on your paper there. Commitment, the state of quality of being dedicated to a cause. It's being loyal, being faithful, being devoted. Amen. Do you, if you don't have a paper, uh, the, uh, the okay, you got them? Okay, you guys got them. Okay. All right. So we, we have to be committed. Now, you notice the word commitment there. Amen. It has one eye in there, doesn't it? And you hear your pastor say this all the time. That means it, it don't happen without you. <laughs> you know, you have to do it. See? You have to commit from the time that you're born again to say, I'm going to that city where the Lamb is the light. See? This is why if you look at Colossians 3... Let's go to Colossians 3 in your Bibles real quick. Colossians 3. Philippians, Colossians chapter 3. Notice here, Paul writing to the church at, at Colossus, he says, If you have been risen with Christ, in other words, if you've repented of your sins, you have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he says, now you've been risen with Christ. He says, seek those things, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. See? Don't look at what you see out here. It's temporal. That's why it's, every time you turn around, there's something new. You know, every year you make a new car because <laughs> they want you to keep getting another car. You know, 
They're always coming up with something new. You can have an iPhone right now, and tomorrow probably they come out with something. They're probably working right now to come out with something new. You know, September's uh, in September. This is September. Amen. So the new phones will be coming out soon. So something new in the world is coming out constantly. And if you get caught up in it, you're going to go into debt. So notice what he says. Set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth, for you are dead. When did you die? <laughs> well, you repented, right? You said, I don't want to have anything to do with this work because I'm going to a better place. So you repent is a form of dying, dying to the world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. You say, I'm killing that. I'm dying from that. Okay? So you're dead. And your life is hid in Christ in God. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, we're putting on Christ. See? So you're being hid in Him. That's why He wraps His loving arms around you and protects you from all that outside mess that keeps trying to get in. That's why He's as close name all you got to do is say jesus and stand strong put on the whole armor of god when you look at the armor of god it's all jesus christ okay he says when christ who is our life shall appear then shall we also appear with him in glory one day the clouds are going to split he's coming again for a church without spot and wrinkle and so we got to be ready for his coming So he says, since you're looking for that, he says, mortify or kill, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And here's what he says. You need to get out of your life because if not, it's going to affect your character. Fornication. Everybody know what that is, right? You're having sex without being married. That goes against God's word. Uncleanliness. You know, anything that's not clean. Inordinate affections. Evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In other words, if you disobey, then the wrath is coming. God will take action. And that the which you also walk sometimes when you live in them. See, these things is what you do before you get saved. Once you are saved, all that stuff gets cut off. See, because you understand that my character is at stake, amen, and I am to be living my life because I'm going to a better place, and we know that sin cannot enter there. See, so this is why he says you cut these things off out of your life. But now you also put off all these things. He said, don't just worry about those few things and think you're, you're getting through and skating in on some rollerblades. He says, that ain't happening. He says, now you put off this. Get anger out of your life. Get wrath. Get malice. Get blasphemy. Get gifted communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. See that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. You are putting on Jesus Christ. So now the old man, what you used to be before you repented, before you was baptized in Jesus' name, he says, now you've got the new guy on. 
Jesus Christ. You had the devil on. He says, now you got him out of there. He says, so now live as Christ. Live the way that Jesus wants you to live. Amen. Because you're created now in his image where there is neither Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian and Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humility of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a qual against any, even as Christ forgave you, do also, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity or put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your heart to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wife and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your master according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, and do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, know that the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for your, you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he have done. And there is no respecter of persons. God don't care if you're black, white, blue, green, orange, or brown. Amen. He's no respecter of persons. Amen. So we have to live, amen, according to God's word. We've got to be committed to this thing. We've got to get sold out to it, amen. And as I said, you don't build character in the heat of moment, amen. It's built out of serving and reading this word and studying this word and applying this word. Because you want your mind to be clear so that when you have to make judgments or, or decisions, you make the right call. See, counsel is mine, the Bible says. I am sound wisdom. See, so the more of God's words you hide into your life, the smarter you're going to be. That's why the Lord told Joshua, he says, if you keep this in your heart and if you speak it, he says, you will have great success. You'll be successful in anything you want to do. The world today is trying to tell you, oh, just do what you want to do. Just be what you want to be. It goes against the word of God, and then people wonder why they're having so many troubles. There's consequences to every decision that you make, and you make the wrong one, you're going to suffer for it. And God is no respecter of persons when it's come down. So we have to commit ourselves. We've got to be loyal to the things in the word of God. We've got to be faithful. We've got to be devoted. Paul said, this is a faithful saying. If we be dead with him, we shall live with him. Amen. If we deny him, he's going to deny us. Amen. If we don't believe it, he's still faithful. Amen. He can't deny himself is who he is. So we see when Ruth, amen, and Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, 
when Naomi tried to get Ruth to go back, Ruth said to her, treat me not to leave you. Amen. She said, where you go, I'm going to go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She says, the only thing that's going to separate you and me is death. See, that's commitment. That's commitment. I made a vow to your family, and I'm going to stick to it. When I got saved, I made a vow to God's family, and I'm going to stick to it. The psalmist says, I will pay my vows in the congregation of the righteous. Amen. When I make a commitment to God, I'm going to pay it. Amen. When I make a commitment to you, I'm going to do it. You're the family of God. Amen. And so, therefore, we have to be committed. And nothing is going to separate us uh, but death, Ruth said. Paul goes on to tell the church at Philippi. He says, "Not amen. He says, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformable unto his death by any mean I might obtain to that which I am so apprehended of. He says, brethren, I count myself not to apprehend it. He said, but this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind and I reach forth to those things that are before and I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm going to a better place and nothing is going to stop me. That's why he says in Romans 8, he says, Nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me. You've got to have commitment because it's going to get tough. Notice what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 12, 5. He says, If you have ran with footmen, and they have troubled you or wearied you. Then how can you contend with horses? He says, if in the land of peace, wherein you trust, they trouble you or weary you. He says, what are you going to do in the swelling of the Jordan? In other words, if it's, they trouble you when it's easy, what are you going to do when it gets hard? That's what he's saying. When tough times come. If you have trouble being impatient, amen, or being patient and waiting on God because you're not committed to the things of God, he says, when it gets tough, don't think it's going to change. See, you've got to be committed. You've got the purpose in your heart that nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want to be committed to the things of God. I want to, to sell out my life. Amen. I give you my all. Amen. The songs you sing, do you really believe them? We're talking about going to heaven. Do you really believe it? See, you have to be committed. You don't graduate from school if you're not committed. I don't know about today, though. They might just pass you through. I don't know. I pray they don't. I pray that you're committed to study, to learn, so that you show yourself approved unto God. Amen. You know, because you want to build your character. And commitment starts with building character. You don't build character without commitment. You have the purpose that I'm going to do this thing. You know? Without character, it's like being KFC with no chicken. Think about it. 
You pull up in the KFC and order chicken, and they say, I don't got none. What's the use of calling yourself Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? <laughs> Amen. It's the same concept. Telling somebody you're a Christian and with no character is the same concept. It doesn't pass the common sense test. See? God, God has a standard that's above. See? And it's real easy to, to, to do it. That's why we were talking last week. The golden rule is still golden. It ain't going to change. Do unto others, Jesus said, and you would have them to do unto you. It's going to stay golden until he come again. So either we figure it out or we just keep reaping what we sow. See? I treat you bad, you treat me bad. If I treat you good, you treat me good. That's the way it works. Amen. Praise God. So we got to build this character, commitment. You know, when you look at David, General Uriah, amen, Uriah was so committed to the cause that when David sent for him to come off the battlefield, he comes to David and David tries to get him to go home and sleep with his own family and sleep with his wife in his own bed. And Uriah says, I can't go home. He says, Joab and uh, my soldiers are in the front line. And it's not going to be right if I go home and sleep in my warm bed and comfort with my wife. And they're out there in the battle. That's commitment. And he was so committed to the cause, David writes his own death note and gives it to him. And he takes it, don't even open it or anything. And takes it back to the general, gives it to the general. The general puts him in the heaps of battle, and he's killed. He carries his own death note, amen, back to the front lines. Because of commitment. See? We have to realize that God wants us to be committed. To be committed. As I said, Ruth was committed. Paul was committed. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-four, starting at 24, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-four. Paul gives an account here to the church at Corinth of some of the things he went through in his life, you know, for the gospel's sake. Notice, of the Jews, five times received our 40 stripes, save one. Anybody ever been beaten that many times? Notice, five times. See, the death penalty, they say, was 40 stripes. You know, they put 40 stripes on you. So really what he's saying here is I five times I was beaten and I got 39 stripes each time. One step short. One stripe short. Can you imagine? Back in those days. Now, if, if some of you have seen the movie The Passion of the Christ. And how they portrayed Jesus as being whooped. You know, can you imagine? You know, 
five times. Can you imagine what Paul's back or body must have looked like after five times? And notice what he goes on and say here. Three times was I beaten with rods. You know, I don't know if that was a cane, you know, <laughs> or, you know, the sugar cane once it dries out. You know, I, I know they say that, you know, they used to beat guys with, like, dried out sugar cane because it wouldn't break. You know, so is that the rod they was using or were they using just a big old stick or was they using a rod rod? <laughs> I don't know. But notice, think about this, three times. He was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Amen. You read that in in Acts 14. He was trying to preach the gospel and they stoned him. Think about Stephen when you read Acts chapter 7. They stoned Stephen to his death. When you read, you know, big boulders, man, and rocks, they they throw them in. And and that's what they would do. They would just hit people with stones and kill them. So Paul says, once was I stoned, three times I suffered shipwreck. How would you like to be out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and your ship get wrecked out there? A night and a day I've been in the deep and journeying often and dangers of waters and dangers of robbers and dangers of my own countrymen. And danger by the heathen, and danger in the city, and danger in the wilderness, and danger in the sea, and danger among false brethren, and weariness, and painfulness, and watching often, and hunger, and thirst, and fasting often, and cold, and nakedness, beside those things which are without, those things which came upon me daily. The cares of all the church. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I need glory, I must glory in the things that confirm in my infirmities. You know, look what he went through. Amen. Most of us would have quit. I'm sure I, I, you know, I would have probably said, Lord, increase my faith just like the disciples did. You know, five times getting beat for the gospel stone. But notice what Paul did and what he says. Go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Verse 24. He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Notice, that's commitment. None of it moved me. Amen. That I might finish my course. Now look what he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap of themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day, and not only to me, not to me only, but unto all them also that long for his appearing. Amen. That's commitment. Amen. Paul was committed no matter what happens. And this is what I'm saying at the onset. You don't build character in the heat of battle. It's built on a constant day-to-day life and studying and applying God's Word so that when the tough times come, you can keep going. Because the enemy's goal is to derail you. He's going to do everything in his power to stop you from reaching heaven. And there's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some times that comes that we really don't understand. But you've got exceeding precious promises from God. I won't leave you, nor will I forsake you. Amen. You've got to press on towards the mark. It would have been easy for Joseph, amen, to to give in. But notice he had a promise from God. And so when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, Joseph says, I cannot commit this sin against God. See, when you fornicate after being born again, that's what you're doing. You're sinning against God. See? And God is not at liberty to do anything for you from that point on. You know, until you repent of that sin and get your life back right with Him. Amen. You have to understand, you, it's your character that's at stake. And you want to make sure that you're living according to God's Word. Amen. You can tell me you're a Christian all day long, but your character will prove it. Amen. And we can't make it without character. Amen. Did you know that marriage is the only thing you get, that you get the certificate first before you ever start? Think about it. It's the only thing. You get the certificate of completion first before you ever start. Because it's supposed to be a commitment. See? You're committing your life. You're saying, I will love you until the day that I die. Neither death, nothing, nor sickness, or health. Notice what the word just said. Nothing should separate us. That's why they give you the certificate up front. Because you're committed. To the end. And the only reason it breaks is people who lose their character. But if you build your character, it'll be all the way to the end. See? And so we have to follow God's word. Amen. Every character trait there is, is around it when you get married. You don't build it, it'll destroy your marriage. See? You gotta have good judgment. You gotta love one another. You gotta get all this stuff. You know, you can have the best marriage in the world. Just commit to character. Amen. If we're going to talk the gospel, 
then we have to be committed to the gospel. Ephesians 5, 1 through 5. Ephesians 5, 1 through 5. I got about four minutes before you take your break here. Amen. Ephesians 5, 1 through 5. Everybody there? Okay, give me a minute. I'm not there. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also have loved us, and have given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becoming, what? Saints. In other words, if you're Christian, don't let that stuff once be lame of you anymore. Because why? You put on the new man. You put on Jesus. Jesus doesn't do that stuff. That's the old man. That's why we have forgiveness when we repent. Say, we get in the new man here. Amen. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor justice, which are not convenient, but rather given of thanks. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9 through 12. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor idolatrous, nor effeminates, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extraordinaries shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. What happened? But you're washed. You got baptized. Amen. But you are sanctified. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful unto me, but but I will not be brought under the power of any. Notice, I'm 66 years old. I can do anything I want to. But it ain't expedient. I can drink all the liquor I want. I, I can go out there and sleep with whoever I want. I can commit adultery with whoever I want. But it's not expedient. It does me no good to tell you I'm a Christian and then go do the the wrong things. That destroys my character. See? So we have to realize these things. There's things lawful, but it's not expedient when it becomes a Christian. See? We can beat up the world all day long because they don't know Christ. But you and I, if we say we're born again, then we should be walking the talk. Does me no good to tell you I'm a Christian and I ain't living right. That's that's what destroys families. You know, your kids read right through that stuff. You know, if you're not going to commit to the things of God, they read right through it. Come on. Walk to walk, talk to talk, talk to talk and walk to walk. 
2 Corinthians. Go to the next book, the second letter to the church. Chapter 6, verse 14 through 7, 1. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? And what concord have Christ with Belial? Or what part have he that believe with an infidel? And what agreement have the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has says, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughter, saith the Lord God Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and perfect, whole, perfect in holiness and the fear of God. Holiness is separation. You're separated from the world and committed in separating yourself to God. You're saying, God, I'm committing to you. I want to live for you. I want to do right. I want to be right. This is what it's all about. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to finish here, verse 1 through 8. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things that are after the flesh, and they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen. See, so this is why we have to... Live according to God's word. Because he wants us to reign with him forever and ever. Abraham Lincoln puts it this way. He says, character is like a tree and your reputation is like the shadow of the tree. He says, the shadow is what you think of it, but the tree is the real thing. Amen. So we want to build our character. And that starts with being obedient to God's Word. Amen? And so if we're going to walk this walk and talk this talk, let's get into the book and be doers of God's Word and not hearers only. Father, we thank you for your Word this morning and our study. Let it be hidden in our hearts, God, that we will not sin against thee, O God. I pray that you bless this service today, God. Let your anointing be over this house. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.